Hey, before we get started on this podcast, I want to thank one of our great sponsors, National Car Wash Solutions, for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in any car wash solutions, whether it's equipment, maintenance, service, education, marketing, or even vacuum systems here in North America, they provide it all. So if you want more information about National Car Wash Solutions and what they can do for you and your car wash, go to ncswash.com. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is your host, David Begin, and my guest today is Adam Anderson. We're going to be talking about cybersecurity for small business. Uh, Adam is a, has been an expert in that industry for over 20 years. He's been a small business owner himself, and he's one of the leading authorities on cybersecurity for small business. He's founded a lot of different companies, Element Security Group, which is a, a cybersecurity and education firm focused on what are some of the issues that are focused on small businesses, which is most of us in the car wash industry. Um, again, he's got about 20 years experience, and uh, he's written three books. Uh, one of them is Small Business Cybersecurity, Built to Survive, and The Monster Within. And we'll put those in the show notes. But he's uh, he's been doing this a long time. He resides in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, which is pretty exciting. Adam, I appreciate you being on the How of Car Washing with us today. David, I cannot say thank you enough. I really love a platform where I get to dispel some of the myths around cybersecurity and and uh, maybe be a ray of hope for yeah. small business owners rather than doom and gloom. No, I think that's great because, man, when I, when I think about cybersecurity, there's there's three words, OSHA, the, the EEOC, <laughs> and cybersecurity are the three things that scare me to death as a small business owner because I feel like I am just a, a victim when it, when it comes to those three areas of running my small business. And, um, you know, we're all overwhelmed with cybersecurity in small businesses because we just frankly don't know what to do. And is that a yeah. pretty common feeling for small business owners? Yeah, it is. And a matter of fact, it's completely normal because, you know, in no way, shape or form should any small business owner become an expert in cybersecurity. Um, it's a, it's a waste of time. You, it should be a concern of yours, but it shouldn't be, and it should not be ahead of sales and fulfillment of your product, right? If you're right. going to spend time, get some customers and produce your product. Um, and then once that thing is working, worry about cybersecurity. Because one of the, the myths is that it costs a lot of money and it's difficult to put out there. And, you know, before you dip your toe into the cyber stuff, you really need to have a, a functioning business. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, I mean, that, that helps quite a bit. And, you know, make, you, you make us feel more comfortable that maybe it's not as big an issue. But, you know, it's interesting because I live in Colorado Springs and there's a lot of cities that are vying for the national cyber security for the Defense Department. And mm -hmm. Colorado Springs is kind of becoming a hub for cybersecurity. And I'm sure there's other places as well. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a topic that, that's really top of mind. You know, we're worried about it at a national level. We're worried about it from a defense standpoint there are you know we always feel like there's other countries trying to hack us and then there's you know people trying to hack into into businesses but but what have you seen in the last couple of years what are some of the major trends that you've seen kind of take place in this area are, are people ramping up uh efforts as far as criminals trying to get in are they getting better at it are we getting yeah. better at it um yeah so the 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 big thing that's happened over the last couple of years is uh organized crime has moved into cybercrime. 
So okay. they have applied all of the methodologies and systemization around how they do organized crime to a new revenue stream, which is cybercrime. And the way they're going about it is they are moving from attacking your computers to attacking your employees. So the, the think, think of a con man and right. all the things a con man can do, these guys are doing over the internet and over digital media inside of your email, things like that. Okay. So that's kind of their, the, the way that they can weasel in, into the system is not, not through the, the defenses that we set up, but through the employees kind of doing their day-to-day jobs. Yeah, a very minimum amount of spend with whoever your IT service provider is, is going to get you 99% of the way there. The problem is that there's just such a high volume of just anonymous attacks coming your way that even 1% of these attacks getting through and landing in front of a human being uh, is like a landmine inside of your company. So is it a risk? Absolutely. If something happens, it's damaging, sure. Um, But we're already pretty well protected and it doesn't take a whole lot to drastically reduce the risk that landmine's going to produce. Yeah. Okay. So are they targeting smaller companies or larger companies? Is there any sort of trend in oh, those areas? Yeah. yeah they, they're really after the smaller companies. Are so they? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story about target. Everybody um, has probably shopped at target now down here in South Carolina. We call it Target because Tar-Jay. we're super fancy. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they are fantastic at cybersecurity. They really, really, really are. They spend a lot of money. They have a lot of smart people and they do what they need to do to protect their infrastructure. But we all know that a couple of years ago, Target was hacked and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damages were caused because credit card information was being stolen. But we don't necessarily know how that happened. Um, well, let me rephrase that. We know how it happened. Maybe your listeners don't. The way it happened is the hackers thought, well, that's hard to break into Target, but they trust this air conditioning company. So I'm going to hack into the smart air conditioning units on Target's rooftop. And I'm going to jump from those air conditioning units to the cash registers. So the lesson learned here is the cyber criminals know that it's very difficult to break into large companies. They have big budgets and smart people. It's much, much easier to attack somebody in that big company's supply chain. And so they have gotten very good at identifying and targeting small companies that are suppliers to big companies. And the downside is they've taken what they've learned there and they just turned it into automated attacks that go after anybody attack, uh, attached to the internet. So the unfortunate result of this is that the small business owner is getting the fallout of that cyber war happening on the big guys. And just for being on the internet, um, they're being targeted. Okay. So is, is, it, is there as much yield for attacking a small company? I can see where you would attack a small company to get to a larger company, but is, is it, is it, is a squeeze worse the juice for them attacking small companies? And well, Yes and no. So if your mind is that a hacker is uh, this fisherman doing some fly fishing in a, uh, you know, Colorado stream and uh, he's got to be highly skilled and he's got to hike into the the woods and it takes a lot of effort to get there and he catches one fish at a time. So it better be a really big fish. Yeah. Small business owners are not a good target. 
Unfortunately, the same way machine learning and AI and all this wonderful stuff has really helped us uh, do business better, it's also helped the cyber criminal. So now I want you to change your image from an individual, highly skilled fly fisherman, which by the way, I believe is witchcraft. I've tried it. I've never tried anything. <laughs> You right? sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about fly fishing. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I read a book or something. It's fine. I, I, I'm sure if I really tried, I would have been great at it. But there you the, go. Uh, the, uh, I want you to move your mind now to a trawler carrying, uh, dragging a net. Okay. With automation and the way computers are, there's no human attacking the small business owner. So it's just as easy for them to target everyone the same way marketers do. They use the exact same technologies. They use the exact same, uh, let me rephrase that. They don't use the same products, but they use the same methodologies that mass marketers do to do mass cyber attacks. So there is no value in an individual hacker attacking one main street business. However, that hacker wrote a program that's going to attack tens of thousands of main street businesses businesses and hold them ransom until they pay through some automated pay system. So you'll never right. meet the hacker. What you're doing is you're, you're uh, trying to avoid and protect yourself from their programs. Yeah. You know, one thing that, that fascinates me about this, it feels like the wild, wild west. And it's amazing how brazen these attackers are and how, you know, they're able to just kind of get away with it. And you think, well, where's the police? Where's the law? You know, and, and it's, it's kind of a lawless environment. Where these guys, you know, I want you to talk about what 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 ransomware is, and but 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 the way these guys can go about this blows me away. That it's just so out there in the open. Yeah, how do you punch back? How do you do this? And 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 honestly, it's one of the problems our military has because it is very difficult to figure out where an attack has come from. It they can go through all kinds of different things. Like for example, you can go on the dark web, and you can rent one hundred thousand corrupted laptops to send attacks from. Okay. But, but those laptops belong to you and me. So what are we supposed to do? Attack those laptops? So it's very, very, very difficult to track back where the attacks are coming from. The way law enforcement typically does it, and somebody smarter on law enforcement and on this kind of stuff could could uh, you know support or deny this is they track the money. They track where does the money that you're paying go to? And it's much easier for them to track the money, but it's still difficult. Yeah. So a couple terms you use there. I'm not sure the listening on it. So talk about what, what the definition of the dark web is. So the dark web is around 600 to 700 times larger than the internet. This was a, um, an encrypted meaning like if you uh, are, are getting secure connections. So right now you would go to Google and you would search something and then you would have access to all of the internet. The dark web is not like that. Uh, it has 600, 700 times more websites, but they're all encrypted and you have to know exactly where you're going. And you can't get there from a normal browser. You have to use something called a torrent. And so this is a really, really um, safe place to do business. Unfortunately, while yes, wonderful things like the Arab Spring and activism and just great things happen out there where you know, governments might try to shut them down, there's also where a lot of crime happens, uh, human trafficking, guns, drugs, and cybercrime. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've all heard the term ransomware. Can you explain to people what, ransom, what ransomware is and what, what that yeah. process is about? 
So the goal of ransomware is for you to click on something you probably shouldn't have. Like, hey, look, I love Starbucks. There's a new Starbucks gift card that they just sent me. Of course, I'm going to download that. And they manipulate you through social engineering to take action to install something on your computer. And once it's there, it will encrypt and lock down your computer so you can't get access to it. Um, probably one of the better known examples of this is there was a hospital system in California that after they got some ransomware, their electronic medical records got locked down and the ER couldn't get medical records. They had, you know, a couple hundred patients were now, since everything was digital, they were potentially causing life threatening, um, you know, diagnosis, diagnosis because they didn't have the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what they do then is after they have it in there, they say in order to, order to unlock this ransomware, you must pay, you know, you know, 1500 Bitcoin, which back in the day when they were starting to do it, that wasn't a lot of money. But fun fact, they forgot to change their demands. And so when Bitcoin went way expensive, nobody could afford to pay the ransomware, which is great because you never want to pay the ransomware. Because two things will happen. One, nerds and hackers are really good at breaking things. It's a lot harder to undo the thing. Chances are if you pay, your stuff still will not recover. And two, as soon as you pay, you get on a list of people who pay, and then the hackers and cyber criminals will then sell that list to other cyber criminals to attack you later. Oh, wow. All right. I am totally frightened now, so I'm going to let you kind of help me <laughs> get out of this hole. But I, I've got one more question. I know we go through an interview process. All of us, you know, in the car wash industry, typically, you know, our big computer systems are our point-of-sale systems, which integrate with the point of sale companies, which also integrate with credit cards. And we go through this PCI compliance Absolutely. process, which I sign off on. I feel like I'm signing off on an ocean inspection because I'm like, mm-hmm. I think I do this. I'm not exactly sure. Am I going to be held accountable? So, right. you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff for a small business to be PCI, quote unquote, PCI compliant. And I know sometimes I'm signing off on some things. Maybe I don't know if I should or not. So what, how does that fit into this process? And, is that a useful tool for us? So I'm, I'll tell you two things. One of them is a fact, and the other one is my opinion. So the fact okay. is that compliance, such as PCI compliance, is there to keep the credit card companies safe, not you. PCI compliance is there to reduce their liability. So if something goes wrong, they can stand up in court and say, we did the best we could to make sure fraud didn't happen. Right. And it and also give them a ability to punch back at the people who are uh, holding the fraud. Uh, This one is my opinion. My opinion is that they make these things complicated enough for the small business owner that you'll just pay the $150 a month fine or whatever it came out to be uh, because you can never get yourself all the way PCI compliant and they have just created another revenue stream. That's that's my opinion. Um, I don't have any... Uh, don't don't take that as the gospel, but do know that PCI compliance is not there to keep you safe. So if all you do is get your systems to be PCI compliant, you still have massive holes. You still need to take one more step and talking to your internet service provider or talking to your uh, managed service provider, whoever does your IT and, and raise up that concern to them, uh, that'll help them take an extra step. Okay. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and so you've you've got so you've mentioned a couple of things. You said you've got about seven things that we can kind of do and think about to kind of help us <laughs> overcome this. And and you did yes. make me feel comfortable at the beginning. You said if we do, yeah. if we do a few things, we can battle ninety nine percent of the attack. So I'm gonna let's we're yeah. gonna get to the point where I'm gonna feel more comfortable here in a minute. But give us some ideas of the seven things or what what can we do as small business owners to to help us with this. Yeah, well, I, I do want to honor what you just said. So far, that uh, this this podcast interview has sucked, and it's my fault. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I, good because you know uh, what this yeah. is. This is such an important subject that it. it I think it frightens people, and we've got to yeah. we've got to be willing to to address this subject. And if it's not as difficult as we think it is, I think you you brought up a good point. There's a lot of myths that are around this mm-hmm. that it's super difficult. It's super expensive. You know, it's you know, if somebody wants to get you, they're going to get you anyway. So, you know, I, I think, I think it's good to kind of scare some people because we can give them some, some ideas on how to, how to deal with it. So, well, well, I'm going to give you guys, uh, I'm going to just rattle through them real quick. Seven zero costs or low cost things that you can do that if you do this, uh, you, you are going to 100% be able to recover from a cyber attack. My goal is not to have an impenetrable fortress. My goal is to help you not care if you get a breach because you can instantly recover for little or no money. Right. All right. So first thing you need to do is have really good backups. And depending on your company, you know, you can have a Google drive or a Dropbox, but these backups have to happen somewhere other than your local machine. They have to happen off premises. Um, Depending on the complexity of your company, you might need something uh, that you actually have to pay money for the backup, but it is well worth it paying something like 50 bucks a month or whatever it is to have the backups go someplace else where if everything goes sideways, you're able to restore. That's the number one best thing you can do in order to make sure you can recover. After that, you've got buy a cybersecurity insurance policy. Your existing E&O and all this other stuff will not cover some of these cyber breaches. So call whoever your uh, insurance provider is and say, you want to understand what you are lacking as far as cybersecurity insurance goes. And I'll tell you what I paid for it. Um, I had a $3 million revenue company. We dealt with the username and passwords of Fortune 500s. You would think that my cyber insurance would be like a lot. It was 2,500 bucks a year. Okay. Now, when you get to cybersecurity insurance policy, the goal is not to get money. The goal is when something goes wrong, that your insurance policy kicks in and a tiger team or red team shows up to help you put yourself back together. So that's a system admin, that's a, 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 um, a hacker, who can diagnose what went wrong, a lawyer, a PR person, and all this stuff is provided by the insurance company. Do not buy an insurance policy that just gives you money because if you get a million dollars and don't know where to spend it, it's not very useful, right? Okay. Okay. So if if you're talking to an insurance company, what, what, what questions do you ask them to say, you know, do you have a tiger team or how do I get a tiger team? I mean, would, would you be paying a cybersecurity company? the the policy or would you be getting it from an insurance company you want the insurance company to take responsibility for that so you're like you guys have somebody you will deploy right and they say yes um uh, i actually did write a fourth book called uh cybercrime and cyber insurance because i get this question enough Mm -hmm. and i'll I'll make sure to to send you the, the link um you don't read it 
just give it to your insurance guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, again, you're not supposed to be a cyber expert. Don't read a book on cyber insurance. Just like point at and say, Adam said, I need a really good insurance policy that people respond to things when it goes wrong. I don't just get cash and okay. they'll, they'll figure it out. Nice. Uh, the, the third thing is don't log into your computer as administrator. So, what I mean by that is when you first get a computer, be it Apple or be it Microsoft or whatever, the very first account that you create um, has all the rights to all the things on your computer, right? So you can install software, it can change the desktop, and you can do all this stuff, which means if you accidentally click on something, you have the power to destroy your machine. The first thing I do is I create a brand new user account and I make sure that it has limited rights. So I can't accidentally install ransomware. So if I click on that Starbucks gift card I was talking about and it tries to install something, it'll say, hey, did you know that this is trying to install something? Do you want to log in as administrator and allow this to happen? And it's a wonderful way to protect yourself from yourself. So that's the third thing. And by the way, that's probably of all the things I said uh, and am going to say, that's the most important. Don't okay. Log in as a I, 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 I like that. So, so when you get a new computer, mm -hmm. it only comes with the admin. Is that right? So, so you want to, do you have to sign into admin to create mm -hmm. another account? Absolutely. So you log okay. in as your administrator and then uh, open up Google and say, how do I create a user account for, and then whatever kind of computer you have. And there will okay. be some really fun person on YouTube who has created a three minute walkthrough. So, uh, so, so always create people that are on computers as users, not admins. Correct. Got it. I like that. I had never yep. heard that. Good. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, we're all really good people and we, uh, we're programmed to help each other. And so when somebody sends you a phishing attack or an email and you try to respond to it, um, we're very easily manipulated. So let's, let's allow us to continue to be amazing people and let's just protect ourselves from hurting ourselves, right? Got it. Yeah, makes sense. This episode of the How of Car Washing is brought to you by National Car Wash Solutions. National Car Wash Solutions is the parent company of the industry-leading brands McNeil, Ryco, Clean Touch, TSS, and Vacutech. NCS provides the finest car wash systems, cleaning solutions, maintenance and service, education, marketing, and vacuums in all of North America. They offer their products and services that help car wash operators like you grow their customer base, increase loyalty, and become more profitable. To learn more about NCS, just visit their website at ncswash.com. That's ncswash.com. So the, the fourth thing is most of the attacks out there in the world are old. Hackers and criminals are lazy. They just keep relaunching old attacks uh, because they still work. So there's a really annoying thing that happens on your computer where it tries to automatically patch your computer, right? And then makes it like reboot. Uh-huh. Let that happen because that stops 99.9% .9 of attacks. Okay. Just let the patching happen. And matter of fact, the irony of that is when I was getting ready for my TED Talk, I was working on this amazing... Uh, PowerPoint deck and I was in the flow and a pop-up came up and says, hi, we just installed the patches. We need to reboot your computer. Would you like to do it now or defer? And I am not going to tell you what I did. 
<laughs> I can guess what you did. <laughs> I deferred, right? Do cybersecurity, but do business too. At the end of the day, who cares if we're super protected if we're not producing what we need to produce? Right. Um, that leads me to number five, which is train your people about social engineering. They, the best way is not to give them lectures. That's not how humans learn. Don't give them, here's the 17 things and blah, blah, blah. Humans are great at pattern recognition. Go find some cheap um, attack software, which will send fake cyber attacks at your employees. If they click on it, they will then uh, get a really short video that tells them what they did. And there you go. So that's actually one of the, the new companies I founded. I'll do a quick plug for that. It's called hooksecurity.co. We don't sell directly to people. We only sell to uh, IT providers, but you can absolutely uh, tell those guys, hey, I need some phishing training and we'll throw it that way. But that's the, the, the big sticking point here is the human is the weak link. So we need to train them and man, we don't want to turn folks into cyber experts. If you've got a great marketer, let them be a great marketer. Don't yeah. turn them into a nerd. Wow. That's, I, I love that idea of, of phishing training. So you'll go out you'll, you're, and you're actually trolling for people to make mistakes. And then, well, and yeah. And then you can say, oh, you know, here's what you just did. Here's why you don't want to do that. So yeah. I like okay. that. Well, here's how this fails is if you shame them and make them feel bad for it. Sure. Right. Uh, like, oh, no, I, you know, if the house is on fire, you want somebody running around telling people the house is on fire. And if you're under cyber attack and someone discovers it, either by being a victim or being clever enough to see it, you want them to go and tell people without being shamed by the fact that they might have been fooled. So we use humor. We use edutainment. We make them 10 second videos, not eight minute videos. And the, the idea is defuse fear through humor so that you can unlock your creativity and your problem solving skills. Yeah. Very good. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I'll hit six and seven real quick. You already mentioned this. A lot of the uh, uh, main street businesses are moving things to the cloud. Like we're moving things to uh, your point of sales is run off the cloud. The, the, the list goes on and on. And that's fantastic because yes, Microsoft, Amazon, all these people get hacked, but they're still better off at it than we are. And yeah. so move everything you possibly can to the cloud. Um, because think about talking to a customer. Let's say uh, you had an Amazon server and Amazon got hacked uh, and you tell the customer, yeah, I'm so sorry your data got out because Am Amazon got hacked. That's different than, well, I had a server in my garage and a guy came and stole it. And so now all your data's gone, right? One of it's Amazon's fault. One of it's yours. Sure. Uh, so I love moving things to the cloud because it lowers the liability of the small business owner. And that's what this is all about. Right. Right. So uh, let you, you know, that, that also go back, goes back to, to, to backups. Right. So yes, if we back up, you know, if we keep our data on the cloud through a file storage system like Dropbox, mm -hmm. is that considered safe enough or is there a way for somebody to dump uh, something in there to make life miserable? It depends. One of the tricky things is that if you download a corrupted file and then it's backed up to Dropbox and then you restore from Dropbox, you're restoring that file, right? And right. so depending on your needs, you might have to um, get files backed up in a different kind of way. So some guys, uh, some services out there could um, have, uh, you know, backup files from this date versus back up the files I just have. So it depends on the complexity that you need. I use Google Drive 
And I like that because I do have um, a really easy user interface that will let me like find older versions of the file that maybe not be corrupted. But yeah, at the end of the day, um, backups by themselves will solve a lot of problems. You just got to be conscious of what you're restoring, right? Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and definitely get them uh, a a jump drive or a, a a drive with a USB cable that you plug in and back up to is not good enough, right? A Dropbox is definitely an upgrade to a physical device that you're using. Yeah, and and I've I've heard of people saying, you know, you're better off having a disconnected device. So, but back up to a to like you know the these old backup drives that I I've, I've mm-hmm. got like six of them sitting at my house. I got to get right. destroyed, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, back up to that and unplug it. And then that's a safer way because it's not hooked up to the internet. That- Absolutely. If, if you have Coke's secret sauce, you should do that. If okay. you have like a new logo you created for somebody, yeah, you're probably not going to have the end of the world, right? So it all okay. depends on the impact that that data, if it was lost, would have on your company. If okay. it's your company, take extra steps. If it's an inconvenience, then you know, act appropriately. Okay. Okay. And then we've got number seven. I'm, I'm guessing yes. what number seven is, but I want to hear what you say. <laughs> well, now that we've moved everything to the online world, your primary line of defense is a username and password. And those are the easiest things to break either brute force or by social engineering. And so I tell everyone the last step is to have something called two factor authentication. And two-factor authentication is when there's something else that has to happen before you can log in. And since we've been talking about Google, I'll talk about Gmail. When I log into Gmail, I type in my user account, and then I type in my password, and I hit sign in. And before it lets me, it sends a message to my phone and says, are you really trying to log in? And I have to hit yes, and then I get let in. So by having that second factor, which is a phone or in some banks, you have a key fob that changes the numbers or there's a text message. I mean, it comes on many, many, many different ways. But second factor means I don't care if you get my username and password because without this second factor, you can't log in. Yeah. And that, that, that's got to be pretty close to bulletproof, I would assume. I, I tell you what, I bet on it. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, it's interesting because I've got Outlook and Google Mail and I can't import my Gmail into Outlook um, without two-factor authentication. You know, if I turn on two-factor mm-hmm. authentication, it doesn't import. Mm-hmm. So I've got to, I guess I got to make a decision if I want to access Gmail separately from, from Outlook. Or you can do what most of the human race does and just not do the security. Right. That's the, I mean, it it all does boil down into what's the value of the business process and what's the speed that you need. And can you afford a little bit of inconvenience in order to have the level of security that's right for your company? Yeah. So most of us do have access to some sort of IT company, you know, we get a little bit of help here and there. Yep. How would you recommend us using an IT company to just kind of do a quick analysis of where we're at? So I I have a thing I call a business continuity guide, and it is a spreadsheet that I can give you guys for free. And it, you list all of the, the things that are going on inside of your company. And what I would do is ask them to do it, to help you through it, and then to look at where risk is. 
Um, if that's too much work, because by the way, that is a lot of work, um, writing down every single business process for sales, marketing, uh, operations, you know, finance, all that, that's, that's a big ask. Uh -huh. the, if you're not, if you don't have the, the time for that, the best thing to do is to go to them and say, we want a audit on our systems that have to do with money, right? Go through and it's pretty easy to determine what are the two or three business processes, business systems that you are using that run your company and ask them to do an audit on the technology and on the cyber for that technology. Um, or uh, force them to use my spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that's, the, that's the hard, well, let, let me do, I kind of want to push back on what I just said. The, the problem with a IT service provider is that they're order takers. They're going to come in and give you a suggestion. The price is going to be too high, and then you're going to push back. And then after that, they move into order taker mode because you said no to them being consultants at the beginning of the relationship. And so they're not going to bring you new ideas. So you need to spark that relationship again where you want them to be creative and you want them to uh, give you suggestions. Um, but if you don't set parameters for them, then they're going to go all over the place. A nerd loves having the right answers. And if you ask them a question, they're going to give them all to you. You don't want all the right answers. You just want the answers that are going to protect your company, make it so that you can do business, take money and retain customers. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes good sense. And then the other question I was going to ask you about, I, th I actually thought this was number seven, but I think passwords is perfect too. But uh, we'll, we'll call this number eight. Where, where, what's the benefit of antivirus software how much does that help me? How much does it, does it? Yeah, not? it doesn't, not anymore. <laughs> okay. oh, gosh. So, I'm back to being scared again, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the wonderful thing, I mean, do I, am I running antivirus? Sure. Yeah. I feel like it's probably a placebo effect at this point. Okay. What you really want is endpoint defense and your Macintosh and your Windows operating systems come with really good endpoint defense. So an endpoint is the computer that is the endpoint of the internet, right? So you're reaching out and trying to grab data from the internet and it's coming back to your computer. Your computer's the endpoint. So I would look, and I don't say that this is a necessity because this isn't free, but going out there and finding really good um, endpoint protection services that make antivirus irrelevant. Um, okay. There was just, there's a company that just got funded 600 million. They're really changing the, uh, the game. I want to say it's called CrowdStrike. Um, and I will absolutely look that up and make sure you guys have it. But the idea is they are removing dependency on antivirus because antivirus doesn't work. Um, and I can go into why antivirus doesn't work. Or you can be like, Adam sounds confident. We're just going to trust him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when, you know, the, the good news is, you know, we're, we're probably going to keep it on our PCs, but yeah. it probably, like you said, don't, don't rely on that as your major, you know, your yeah. major endpoint for security. And, and that's great to know because I kind of operate in the illusion, oh, we've got antivirus, so oh, we yeah. obviously are safe. But Yeah. The guy who founded McAfee, um, has many press releases where he says it, it doesn't do anything for you anymore. Yeah. But, but he's not telling you to stop buying it. Um, but you know, the, that, that's the sad truth of the matter is that 
antivirus is an old defense for an old offense and they've changed it. They, they're coming at you in different ways and it just doesn't work anymore. They're playing a different game. So. Absolutely right. Interesting. Well, that's all awesome. That's incredible advice. I think that's very helpful. And I think what you've given us really is simple enough that we ought to be able to do. Um, but, you know, I think also working in conjunction with our IT staffs, because I'm sure yep. they're hearing about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are systems out there like Barracuda Networks. Are those useful, not useful? Well, they're all products. Right? I've really fallen out of love with technology. At the end of the day, I don't want to run any of it. I'm a business owner. I right. want somebody else to do it. So I'm expecting somebody to come up and say, you pay me X dollars and I make this problem go away for you. Okay. Right. Okay. And so that's what your IT provider should do. Because if you go out, it's almost like listening to all the pharmaceutical commercials. Well, I saw this thing on TV. If I take these drugs, then I'm going to feel better because I saw the advertisement. I much prefer to have a doctor prescribe what I should do rather than the advertisements. And that's the same thing with these uh, commercials you see on TV for these technologies. Have the guy or the gal who really understands your business and your technology do the suggestions on how to secure it. Good. Okay, good. Good advice. Good advice. So, all right. Well, I got a few things to do on my end. I've got to change all my passwords. I think <laughs> one, two, three isn't going to work for me. Anymore. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Right. Make sure you write password one, two, three. That one. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's a secure one right yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. But, oh, well, yeah. well, hey, actually, I, can I give you one last thing on passwords? Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. What I tell people is get rid of passwords and use pass phrases. Um, you know how they're always like, use the longest password you can find, but I'm like 26 characters with numbers. I'm never going to remember that, but you can, if it's a sentence. So picture this one, uh, never share your password with no spaces. That's a fantastic password. Uh And if you make the first letter of each one of those words capital, now you've got a really good password. And if you replace all of the, uh, O's with zeros, now you've got a really, really great password. And yeah. if you put an exclamation point at the end of it, you've got a great password. And so what I do is, you know, never share your password. And then so I can remember what it is, because I don't want the same password everywhere. I say bank. G- email. Never share your password. Bank. Never share your password. Email. Never share your password. And that way you have like a methodology. And by the way, don't use never share your password. Use something yeah. else, right? Like right. Uh, my kids are amazing. Or depending where you live, it might be like, my neighbor's kids are better. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever floats your boat. But use a phrase and make it a little complicated. And now you have a really, really good password that you can remember that is almost impossible to break. Yeah, I I like that idea. Because Henry and I, who's my partner on a lot of these podcasts, we have lamented about this whole, I've got spreadsheets of passwords out there because I can't keep track of them. and you know, they always tell you don't use the same password over and over again, which. Um, can I, can I be vulnerable for a minute? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I use the same password everywhere. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I think, I, I think we all do because yeah. the, the sheer volume of sites that we go through, especially if you're a business owner, I've got hundreds yep. of sites yep. that I've got accounts on and um, yep, it, it's just, it's super frustrating. And we always think there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way. And I think two-factor authentication does kind of solve it in kind of a backdoor way, right? Because we're yeah. always looking for the magic bullet on passwords, but maybe two-factor authentication 
We'll yeah, sort of... the, the, the issue is not everyone offers that though, right? And True. so okay. there are password management tools out there, like 1Password and LastPass, and they're like coming out new every single day. Yeah. I, um, I guess I'm too old being in my mid-40s to adopt new technology, and I just haven't done it. But yeah. I know a lot of people rave about password management tools. And so if you literally have over 100 things that you're doing, or even over 20, uh, it probably behooves you to take a look at some of these password management tools. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes good sense. That makes good sense. Yeah. There's, there's some work that needs to be done in this area, I think, but mm -hmm. um, a, lot, a lot of great advice, good, good, good advice on the passphrase too. I think I'll rethink how I'm doing, doing those things and see if I can come up with something a little bit more robust. So, well, Adam, thank you for the seven or eight different ideas. This has been helpful and it's certainly, you know, put my mind to rest a little bit and we've got a little bit of work to do on my end. But, uh, you know, excited that this is something that can be dealt with. If people want to learn more about what, how, what you do and what you offer, what are some ways they can go about learning more about cybersecurity and what you do? Yeah, you know, the easiest way to get in contact with me or to learn more is to go to adamandersonceo.com slash carwash. And I'll have links to all the stuff that we've talked about. Um, you know, it, it'll be... Uh, it'll be your source to kind of like understand what some of the next steps are about how to get things, uh, get things done. And the thing I love about what I do is I never have to do any of them. I just point you in the right direction yeah. and, and you go take action. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So you, you, you've kind of set yourself up now. You don't do a lot of individual consulting anymore in this area, but you've kind of set yourself up as an information storehouse yeah. or this is an important mission that small business owners need to know that they can win at this. And I'm very dedicated to that process. Um, I'm in so many CEO networks and I've had so many good friends who just got hit with ransomware or some kind of cyber attack that it's, it's one of my missions. It's one of my big callings to help empower the small business owner to uh, be very resilient against cyber crime. And so anything I can do and when you give me the opportunity to talk to your folks, uh, I jump on take it immediately. So I really appreciate it. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, this has been great information. If you want more information, there's a way you can get it. If you want to use your phone, you can text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M, to 31996, and you'll be able to get to Adam's show notes and some of the resources that are out there um, that uh, I think will be helpful for all of us. So, Adam, great information. I, I can't thank you enough for your time and your willingness to share this. And, uh, well, hopefully, maybe we'll talk about your next. I love you. We were before the podcast. We kind of talked on your next venture. I'm really excited about what you're doing now with entrepreneurs and their families. But uh, maybe we can talk about that at a later date. I'd love to. Thank you yeah. again for having thanks. me on. All right, thanks, Adam. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the How of Car Washing. We appreciate it if you leave a comment at iTunes or Stitcher, or if you'd like to listen to us on Google Play or Spotify, we're on there too. And again, if you like more information about the How of Car Washing. You can simply text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M, to 31996, and we'll get you the show notes on this particular episode and other information about the how of car washing. So thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next time. This is David Begin on the how of car washing. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the how of car washing. And I once again want to thank our sponsor, National Car Wash Solutions. If you're interested in any aspect of car wash equipment, maintenance, service, education, or marketing, they're the people to go to. If you want to find out more information about National Car Wash Solutions, go to ncswash.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. 
For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.